You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni. We are back in the studio at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Way back in 2008, this was a sleepy little part of Brooklyn, and uh, Roberta's Pizza was a pioneer. And now there's so much going on, and we're right on the eve of Beer Week, one of the, I don't know, 10th, at least 10th Beer Week. It's got to be getting up there, for sure. And we got some great guests here to celebrate Beer Week. So let's go around the room and introduce, and then we'll talk more about Bushwick. Hey, uh, I'm Zach Kinney. I'm one of the uh, co-founders of KCBC Brewery in Bushwick. And I'm Louis Catazone. I'm uh, one of the owners of St. Agrestis in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. All right. So, Zach, just for a quick second, you know, we've been coming out to the studio in Roberta's in Bushwick since 2010. And in a very short time, it went from just the pizza outposts and maybe Momo Sushi to having a couple great breweries out here. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was definitely the wild west of of Brooklyn, you know, uh, industrial, gritty. I'm, I'm pretty sure Roberta's used to be a, an auto shop. Um, we opened, we signed our lease in 2015 um, and opened in 2016. Um, and, you know, from 2010 to 2016, there was a ton of new, you know, new food, new new makers of things and uh and then even since we opened 2016 it's gone through a whole nother uh revolution you know COVID included i mean it's been a wild ride oh yeah and then uh for beer week i mean i remember that started in like 2008 or 9 and that's evolved a lot it sure has yeah i mean you know it it the as the city has kind of um grown in terms of the number of breweries the number of, of local local uh producers um it's really kind of um, revitalized and, and, and expanded the entire uh, scene here in New York City. I think New York City is went from being like the city where you could hardly find a uh, local beer other than maybe Brooklyn Brewery or Six Point to arguably, you know, one of the best beer cities in the world, I think, in terms of local producers and variety of product. It's pretty awesome now. That's great. And then the scene has come so far. We've got, you know, when you were starting out 15 years ago, you were home brewing for beer. And yep. then now there's more people. I hear all the time someone's doing a little sideline of a spirits business or an Amaro business. Oh yeah, the the liquor and 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 in that whole dis- distilling side, micro distilling has become um, a really cool, exciting, um, uh, next level uh, creative uh, industry here in, in New York. Oh, yeah. So let's we'll do a little intro with our next other guest, Louis. So yeah. Amaro, Amaro, just tell us your your quick backstory about you went from. Selling cigarettes, <laughs> not to sell them weed, but to a distillery. I only deal in vices. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I started my career working in tobacco, but eventually, uh, well, shortly after starting my career in tobacco, I ended my career in tobacco, moved into <laughs> liquor, and uh, I've been in spirits ever since. And Saint Agrestis, that that part of my story, uh, the entrepreneurial leap of faith happened in 2017 producing all Italian-inspired spirits, ready-to-drink cocktails, and now even non-alcoholic cocktails. Well, that's great. So, Zach, you know, we're here at Roberta's with, with Casey BC and Louis from St. Agrestis. 
why? What, what's well, the backstory? On so this? yeah, so um, uh, we you know we've been um, great uh, great partners. Roberta's been big supporters of KCBC since since when we opened. Um, us being uh, relatively local, um, them having such an awesome food and beer program. Um, so we've done um, over the past you know six seven years um, a couple of kind of kind of one off collaborations where we'll, we'll you know we did a fruited sour, we did a rice lager one year, and, and we were talking with the team here um uh back in the fall about let's do another one let's do something but let's do something cool let's do something really weird and interesting and and kind of came up with this idea of of a of of taking our our base black lager our schwartz beer and doing something different to it and um the the roberta's guys um, jason came up with this concept of like uh, of, of an amaro barrel aged black lager and and both he and i immediately were like wait a minute this is going to be really cool uh, we liked the concept, uh, the flavors felt like they might work together. Um, and, um, we called up, uh, Louie here and, uh, Louie was, uh, kind enough to, uh, essentially donate one of his barrels to the project. So, uh, today we actually are about to launch, um, our collaboration. The beer is called A Dance With Death. It's an Amaro Barrel Age Black Lager. Um, we only had one, you know, spirits barrel of volume, about 50 gallons of, of liquid, so it's super limited, super small batch, super uh, super interesting, and you know I'm excited to share it with you. It's guys all here. it's all in bottle. Uh, we have some we have a couple of kegs. We have a keg um, that um, we're gonna have. I think we launched it on on draft at KCBC and in package uh, yesterday, um, and then we're gonna be doing an event here at Roberta's uh, next week for New York City Beer Week on Wednesday, March first. Oh, bring, um, kind of kick it, it off and bringing it all home. Yeah, right? man, super duper. Right down the street. So, so Louis, um, you know. You with Amaro. I, I know Amaro. You know, I remember it seems like forever ago that uh, Souther Teague, who's our colleague on, on Heritage Radio Network, the Speakeasy, he had this little shop of Amar e Amargo in the East Village, not too far from my old pub. And um, you'd walk in and there, there wasn't anything overly sweet and everything had Amaro in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it was eye opening, but it was also quirky then. You know, now cheers to Souther. You know, you're like the guru. <laughs> but what what made you get interested in, in Amaro? And, and tell me where you were working. What what distillery you you you're working with in? Sure. In yes. New York. So Amaro, I mean, it, it's certainly having its its golden age to some degree here in the U.S. It's been popular in Italy for forever. <laughs> uh, it was actually out of fashion in Italy until U.S. bartenders um, started to bring it back to the forefront. But uh, my father's from Calabria in southern Italy, and I grew up with an Amaro culture in my household. Sunday dinners, I, w- uh, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if, you know, six to eight years old, a little tiny sip of Amaro after dinner on a Sunday, um, you know, totally Maybe responsibly d- done. Finger <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it was very, very Italian, very European. Um, and that was a part of my culture growing up. And then as I started to see it becoming very popular here in the U.S., felt like, wow, there's a part of my culture that I'm kind of missing. And I'm in spirits. And I was working at a, a distributor and an importer. Um, I also spent some time working at the Green Hook Distillery, a gin distillery that we actually partner uh, partnered with on the space that we currently produce St. Agrestis. So everything is produced at the same distillery in Greenpoint that Green Hook Gin is produced at. But yeah, um, it just felt like this moment was happening. And if someone was going to be producing Amaro in New York or in the U.S., why not us? And uh, myself, my brother uh, Matt, and my business partner Stephen D'Angelo have been making making Italian spirits in Greenpoint uh, since 2017 now. 
Wow. Yeah. And then what is Amaro? I mean, you mentioned the process. What is it akin to? Because I know what distilling is and I know what winemaking is. I know what brewing beer is, but this is a little different. Yeah. I mean, the simplest way to describe making Amaro is kind of like making alcoholic tea. So you're soaking herbs, spices, flowers, roots, seeds, and citrus in distillate, sometimes in an herbal distillate as well that is distilled with herbs and spices as well. And then you're extracting or macerating or steeping botanicals in varying levels of alcohol for different lengths of time, depending on the herbs. And then at that point, you kind of have a tincture, if you will. And that uh, Amaro would then be diluted and sweetened um, Usually with cane sugar, we use organic cane sugar uh, to sweeten our Amari. Um, And then we also barrel age our Amaro, which good thing we do. Yeah. Because we wouldn't be able to do a collaboration and have any of the Amaro characteristics imparted on beer if it wasn't going into cask. Yeah. I mean, you know, you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are using uh, ex-bourbon barrels or ex-whiskey barrels and like rum, you're using them sort of repeatedly um, until they fall apart, basically, to, to essentially like blend the blend the distillates create that kind of um magical uh uh extraction of oak and oxygenation and, and whatnot anyway I'm, I'm i'm a big fan of your Mara, so you know thank you i appreciate <laughs> it I'm a fan of your beer it's cool well zach tell us about look, first let, let, yeah let's we, try we this beer it's, we're, it's a daytime yeah. this is a wednesday before for, this is the pre-pre beer week and um Boom, you, let's, you, let's, well first let me have more of that pilsner oh so you want a little more pilsner i, for I sure, really do brown. miss drinking yeah, kcbc right. bro it's you know What's the Pilsner? So, yeah, this is our year-round Pilsner. Last year, we launched a year-round Pilsner. Um, This beer is called Infinite Machine. Um, Lagers, for a long time, um, you know, kind of weren't weren't the, like, uh, in vogue for craft beer. Um, You know, craft beer, in a lot of ways, kind of started out as, like, the antithesis to big, light, yellow, fizzy beer, to quote Greg Stone, uh, Greg from (laughs) Stone. Um, um, And, uh, you know, it's definitely come around, I think, in a lot of ways because um, the craft beer scene in in the U.S. has matured a little bit or matured a lot. Um, Its uh, trends have accelerated, and I think a lot of – Beer makers, you know, micro microbreweries, and and even drinkers are starting to appreciate um, the nuances of of craft lager, fresh lager, um, and American brewers have access to quality grains and European hops. Although with climate change, that's becoming even trickier, and it's, it's a whole other sidebar. Um, but you know, it's a style of beer that we love. Um, you know, uh, we love. I mean, we love doing a lot of variety. KCBC, a lot of our, our kind of like brand ethos is about variety, but. Um, we saw an opportunity um, last year to to create essentially a core, consistent year-round lager, um, and this is it. You know, we do a thing called Lager Appreciation Month every May that we started in COVID, which was just kind of a wacky idea to help us sell a bunch of lager. Um, <laughs> it worked. It's sticking. And again, you know, there's a lot of great uh, uh, lagers available now in in New York and beyond. So well, this is a great yeah. way to kick off beer week. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Pretty traditional. You know, this is a little bit of a blend of of both uh, German. Um, uh, we've got some, um, some German grown Saphir hops. We've got some Czech saws and we've even got some Styrian, um, Salia hops, which are Slovenian grown. So it's a little bit of a, you know, European hop medley, but pretty, uh, pretty clean, crisp, um, relatively bitter, um, but you know, drinkable. Flavorful. Yeah. So with, with this special collaboration that you're, it's really, this is a Roberta's project. So that's why we're absolutely, Roberta's. you know, totally here on the You and San Agrestis, um, so a big part of this are, are the Amaro barrels. Absolutely. So 
Tell me about that that process because <laughs> it it's kind of weird, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, look, this is the first time we intense barrels. Oh a lot man, of flavor. I mean, Louie was like, I'll give you a fresh one. I was like, yeah, fresh is always better. And and boy, it came in like hot, you know, in a good way. You know, the um, the uh, the the barrel, you know, really just just was, was, was just like empty. Even it, you know, it still had obviously a little bit of residual liquid in it. And, you know, we opened it and all of our brewers were like, whoa, what the fuck? Man? You know, um, and it 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 just had this this unique flavor characteristic um, that, again, I'm sure Louie can talk more about like the. This, this magical recipe, you know, the, the, the various ingredients that he uses. But, um, you know, we were getting a lot of kind of like Alpine or sort of Northern Italian characteristics, um, you know, uh, herbal, grassy, um, but also some kind of more, I don't know, like uh, cinnamon or Christmas almost, allspice, you know, um, and thought like, all right, cool, let's get this beer in here. So, um you know, our barrel aging process is something we've been doing since we opened at KCBC, and um, we're really proud of our of, of our team's ability to kind of really dial that in. Um, we're purging the barrel of, of oxygen um, before we put any beer in because we're really trying to limit the um, any risk of any outside contaminant or um, Acetobacter or anything else kind of infringing upon the the flavor extraction we're trying to create. Um, you know. Inherently with wood, you're dealing with oxidation. You're going to get, you know, it's not airtight. It's not like a stainless steel vessel. Um, uh, so you have some natural expansion and contraction. But we filled this in the colder months, kind of thinking that, like, it might not need a lot of contact time. Um, our base recipe was a 4.5%, 4.6% Schwartz beer, beer we called Morbid Hour. Um, put that in. And honestly, you know, a month and a half later, we were like, we better check on that. And we were like, wow, it's ready. Um, and even ended up back blending it a little bit because we felt like the Amaro character was 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 amazing, but but almost a little too powerful for drinkability. So luckily we had a little bit of the base beer, blended that back in and packaged it up here. Well, we go. you just poured it for me. So tell me again yeah. what it is, because on the nose here, and I want Louie to talk this through. Yeah. My first thought is, whoa, this is herbal. And it's a, a black colored yeah. beer. This yep. could be, it looks if you know, if I was doing a steal this beer, you know blind tasting mm-hmm. i would think this was an amaro you know the yeah the um uh the uh the the schwartz beer i think um is a nice platform you know schwartz beer is a traditional german style black lager um but it's not meant to be um you know it looks like a dark you know you might call it like oatmeal stout or or, or porter in terms of the visuals of a black lager but the entire concept is that um it's it's very light in terms of its body it's not meant to be this chocolate bomb. It's meant to have a, a little layer of roast and 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 maybe like bitter chocolate, um, but it's not it's not it's not having that intensity of a stout or a porter, um, even though it might look like it. Uh, so again, in this case, the um, the amaro character uh, really like shines. I think um, we did you know fun little sidebar um, when we pulled the black lager out. Um, the timing worked um, so that we actually had a, an imperial stout. Um, that we were packaging close to the same timeline. So what we did is after we pulled the black lager out, we put the Imperial Stout back in. So we may end up with a second <laughs> beer just because we felt like there was still a ton of character. Um, obviously, you know, the the the, the tincture and, and the Amaro that, that, that Louis is making um, is really intense. So we might even get two beers for one out of this. You know, we'll see in a few months. Louis, what do you think of this beer in the process? So, I mean, you nailed it. And this, this is my first time trying it candidly. And it's it's got so much... San Agrestis Amaro characteristic in it. That's it's it, it almost feels like we took 
your lager and we <laughs> dumped a little bit of St. Agresta Samaro into it yeah. uh, in a really, really fun way. I think the visual totally looks exactly like like the Amaro as well. So yeah. there's there's so much. Um, I'm happy that, that you chose uh, a beer that's less intense too because if this was paired with a porter or an oatmeal stout, like you said, it would be way too intense. Yeah. There is something very elegant and pretty about this, but it is also uh, definitely not for the faint of heart. I if mean, you don't like Amaro, you're probably not going to dig this. I mean, we've had so many brewer. I mean, we we, you know, we, had, we packaged it, I think, about three weeks ago and, and, and um, had the um, actual, the New York City Brewers Guild uh, January meeting was at KCBC and um, uh, pulled out a few bottles for just like, you know, the super industry you know, brewers, people making beer in New York City, and we're like, "Let's, you want to try something different?" And um, and the response was amazing because people were, um, I mean, you know, I think Amaro, you know, like you said, is having a big moment here in the U.S. Um, you know, especially over the last like three years, two years, um, even now. I don't know if you know if it's peaked yet. I'm sure at some point we'll be like, you know, ah, it's passe. But um, right now, um, within the uh, service industry and within the the the, the brewing industry. Um, People love those kind of love this beverage. They love these flavors, um, the concept of, of 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 cleansing your palate with this intense herbal concoction um, really resonates. And and people went went nuts for this beer. They really liked it. Zach, why did you go with the black lager? I didn't read the notes. Yeah, I thought when I started your bottle, I thought this was going to be like a twelve percent <laughs> bomb, a burning alcohol yeah. bomb. Well, you know, I mean, we again, we we love lager, but uh, hence the hence the year on Pilsner, and and you know, we felt like, um, you know, it was it was also uncharted territory for us. We were like, okay, we don't know. I I know what is amaro tastes like. We know it's it's really delicious. We know it's really intense. Um, we don't know what this is gonna sort of what the result's gonna be. We don't know how long the contact time is gonna be. We also knew we wanted to get it out um, in the winter months. Um, just thinking about the flavor combinations and and kind of the opportunity to. To, to bring it in here to Roberta's and get it on their menu, in, you know, in, in a seasonal kind of appropriate way. So we thought that our best bet was to take uh, take a, a a more you know a lighter flavored but still dark roasty uh, uh, base beer, um, and that was that was ultimately the choice. You know, we've also done um, we've taken our 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 black lager, the same beer, Morbid Hour. We have um, we've aged our Schwartz beer in um, uh, X bourbon barrels um after we've done a barrel aged stout so we have done what i would call sort of an oak aged version of our schwartz beer um where we're picking up maybe a little bit of the bourbony oaky kind of tannins um and that beer's been pretty successful for us we've done it three or four times now so we thought like okay let's up the flavor you know impact with this kind of amaro character and Thought we'd need a short contact time. Thought we could turn around in time. You know, it was a little bit of a gamble, but you know, hey, I think it came out pretty cool. Wow! So your experiments with barrels, oh yeah, <laughs> really paid off. Yeah, I think in this case, you know, again, it was one barrel. We're like, hey, you know, if it fails, I don't know, we'll probably all drink it anyway. But <laughs> um, we're stoked about it. And then for Louis, so for you, the condition of the barrel that you gave them. I mean, I think of like aging something in a wine barrel. There's lees. What was left in that barrel? Because it, it's not a dry barrel. No. It's not a, a charred barrel. So it, it was a uh, a former bourbon cask when we got it. Uh, do you remember what distillery it I had? I think it was the... Heaven Hill. I yeah, can't that makes remember, sense. You know? We have a lot of Heaven Hill barrels, yeah. so that make that makes sense. Um, so we we pulled the Amaro the week we gave you guys the barrel. So it sat empty for days, if that. You know, mm -hmm. it might have been forty eight hours. Yeah, it was very fresh. It was it was super fresh. Yeah. And uh, 
we emptied, but we didn't do anything else to that barrel. We didn't, you know, wash it out with hot water or do anything like that before we gave it to you guys. Yeah, neither I'm did sure. we. You know, we were we just bump bump right, went right in. You know? Yeah, and you, you wanted the residue. We wanted yeah. that. You know, we were. You know, I mean, it, you know, I'm interested to, to hear from you, Louis, in terms of you know things like color or char, right? You know, and that, whether any of that um, comes from your barrel aging process. You know, for us when we're dealing with straight up X spirits barrels, you know, there will be. Um, you know, for the most part, American whiskey, um, bourbon, um, you know, it's three years, maybe four, maybe five years um, that these, you know, but but American whiskey makers, for the most part, are using um, first use, you know, oak, meaning they've taken, you know, oak, it's been charred on the inside by the Coopers, and they immediately put their spirits in and get all those beautiful colors. It goes in clear, comes out looking, you know, beautiful and golden and, and toffee and, you know, Um for us as the brewers, you know, we'll have that residual spirit, you know, color and character and a little bit of char. Um, but, you know, um, and this this was this was not necessarily an exception, but um, I'm interested to hear from you, Louie, in terms of like whether you find, you know, with fresh barrels you're getting from distillery, do those behave uh, or extract differently versus barrels you've used again and again? Great question. Great question. So we, we don't, um, when we bring a barrel and we bleach the barrel and for those who don't know the process of bleaching a barrel it doesn't involve bleach um it's just a a a boiling hot water and sometimes you'll scrape the inner layer of char out of that barrel uh the reason for that is we don't want there to be much nuance between a heaven hill barrel and a jim beam barrel and um in addition to that we barrel age because we want a couple of things to happen but one of those things is not in part bourbon characteristics onto our Amaro. We want to pick up some of that toasted vanilla from the oak. We want to have some oxygen contact, but we don't necessarily want to impart bourbon nuance onto our Amaro. And the Amaro doesn't taste like bourbon. Um, so yeah, the cast came in. It was it was uh, scraped out the inner layer of char with boiling hot water. And then Amaro- You actually scrape, you have like a, you have like a, a long, long <laughs> crowbar or something in there. You kind of- Yeah, you know, uh, there's- <laughs> Elbow the, grease. I mean, it's, it's small scale. You probably deconstructed get it. and reconstructed <laughs> oh, some barrels wow, too. Yeah, hardcore, yeah. I got a, I got a brother who's a woodworker. Oh, and, right. Uh, that's useful. A Cooper in his, uh, in his- It's a handheld cheese grinder. They scrape the inside, <laughs> put some Parmesan rinds in there. That's the secret. That's the secret. <laughs> Magic. Right. Yeah, exactly. Farmers on Rind. We actually borrow Roberta's cheese grater. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then the, and then Amaro sat in that cask for years. Yeah. I mean, we 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 barrel. How long do you guys? Yeah, yeah. We uh we barrel aged for six months. Okay. Um, which isn't insignificant for the influence that it has on the Amaro, mm-hmm. but it's basically been a continuous Amaro right. barrel for that barrel has to be at least three or four years right worth of Amaro batches going in and then coming out six months later and then within days refilled again because mm-hmm. while we have taken some barrels apart we don't like doing it <laughs> and uh and the more time a barrel sits dry as everyone as, yeah. as you know it warps and then doesn't hold liquid so we try to have a pretty quick turnaround between cool. emptying a barrel and refilling a barrel so that's been a continuous amaro yeah. cask for zach for years. your process yeah. for making this beer how long was the schwartz beer in the barrel Barrel was filled, um, uh, I want to say middle of December, maybe a little earlier than that. Um, and we pulled it, uh, it was, it was, uh, I want to say it was about five and a half, between five and six weeks. So it was also like remarkably short, which is, I mean, that's the shortest contact time we've ever, we've ever 
experienced on, on our side. Um, and, uh, it, it, but it, but it worked. It was, it was that potent. I mean, again, it, it was, um, um, it was pretty exciting and, and a little frightening how, how kind of fast <laughs> it happened. Um, luckily we were, we were expecting a pretty quick extraction. I mean, we have barrels that, that we filled. We were just checking on them the other day. You know, there's, there's some Widow Jane, another distillery, um, making some pretty good whiskey, um, down in Red Hook. Um, and we have some of their, uh, you know, whiskey, you know, bourbon style, uh, whiskey barrels. Um, and I think we filled those with Imperial Stout, maybe, I don't know, uh, 18 20 months ago and just the other day i was looking with my brewer i was like we should probably check on those and we did and they were coming along nicely um not over extracted not over oxidated um but you know those barrels were in really good condition um and you know having a having a 14 percent base beer and a and a spirit barrel where we already kind of have a, a more you know understanding of where we're going with the flavor compact you know flavor um combination allows us to maybe ignore something for a longer period of time. Whereas this was like, we better get on it. And, you know, if anything, we caught it maybe even a little late, given that we, 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 we ultimately decided to back blend a little bit of the base beer. Not that much. It was probably so there, like there's 3%. no formula. It's, it's almost no, like yeah, every no. barrel is different, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, especially at our scale, you know, we don't have temperature control in our warehouse, you know, um, beer, you know, our Imperial stouts or our, our wild, our funky barrels that might, that might go through, you know, the summer months and the winter months and in the summer it is hot 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 in our in our non-air conditioned warehouse um and in the winter it's uh it's very barely heated so you know the uh the angel share the evaporation is totally different um and and especially on the wild side when you're talking about microbacteria and botanomyces um the the flavor differential depending upon which zone of the warehouse it's even in can can impact the the, the flavor development. This is a great show, and yeah. we're going to take a short break. Be back in a few minutes and keep talking more about the special KCBC, Roberta's, St. Agrestis Beer Week episode on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's New York City Beer Week here on Heritage Radio Network. Support us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. All right, so my good buddy Zach Kinney, who started out as a home brewer early days of yeah, uh, right. Josh Burns' New York City home brewer Homebrew Jamboree and Jimmy's number 43 yeah. is Mr. Big in, in town <laughs> now with uh, KCBC. And we have a great collaboration here between you Roberta's Pizza and Santa Agresta tomorrow. So, 
Zach, one more time. Yeah. What is this beer that you made? And then you're going to tell me what you, the notes. Cause sure. I, I, the first time I tasted this, which was 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I thought of a Belgian West Coast collaboration beer I'd had many years ago. St. Fulian and, you know, gosh, I don't even know their name anymore. A West Coast place. Sure. And they had, the, the Belgian brewers had pulled wild fennel from a highway in California. That's what I smell with this beer. Um, so yeah, the beer, the beer in question is uh, is uh, called A Dance with Death. It's an Amaro barrel aged black lager, as we mentioned before. Um, the Amaro barrel came from our friends at St. Agrestis, um, and uh, the black lager is our core uh, Schwartz beer, four and a half percent, four point six percent Schwartz beer uh, called Morbid Hour. So put them together. Here we have A Dance with Death. Um, yeah, you know, I'm so bad at this. I mean, I'm, I should, I should be really, really, really dialed in with, with my, with my flavor notes, but this is such an, uh, uh, you know, alien, um, uh, flavor combo versus the normal, what I would call beer, beer tasting notes. And, you know, I'm writing a beer description for most of our beers and I've gotten pretty dialed in with the difference between this kind of citrus notes versus a tropical note on a hoppy beer or, you know, floral versus grassy versus it's, citrus. It's not one note. It's not any of those. This is. You know, this is remarkably compact. I mean, I get, you know, I get kind of this, um, you know. Um, uh, uh, to me, it was like the, the first. Almost cola or, you know, like um, I think fennel, I think is. is Fresh is, fennel. Is in there. Um, I get some. Cola is um, a good one. It, it does yeah. taste a little bit like cola. Um, I get some. Maybe get, now we know the secrets of Coca-Cola. Yeah, maybe. You know, you know, I can't, I can't, I just, I can't put my finger. I haven't spent a ton of time in, you know, the Alps or in, in, in you know, in, in, in northern Italy. But like, it just, it just, I, just, I close my eyes and I, I picture myself on a big grassy meadow and I'm smelling some sort of thing that I picked and I don't know what it is, but that's what <laughs> I'm getting. You know. And then on on the back end, it, it's quite different from any other beer I've had. Yeah, it's a little more bitter. Um, I mean, you've got some, you know, there's kind of a hint of sweetness that I kind of get for a hot minute there, which maybe is just the, the more of the kind of like kind of middle of the lager. But, um, you know, this is this is this is the Amaro barrel um, um, before it's 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 been uh, sort of back sweetened. Um, so is that correct? Yeah, there's no yeah. sugar in the barrel, and so, I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm obviously I know what goes into the Amara, and I'm, and I'm going to reveal it. But oh I'm, wait, let's act. Let yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Of course, yes. I'm having fun. You know, um, but there's there is there is something kind of um, you know whether it's vanilla or 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 something that that again whether it's the wood or or the lager or all of it kind of coming together. Um, and maybe even a cinnamon or, or 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 spice. I can't even know if I put my finger anise almost. You know as well. I, I'm, I I'm really excited about this. Yeah, and I, I want to say same thing. I, the the nose to me, if it's one note, it's like a complex fresh fennel. Mm -hmm. But on the back end, that 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 had a, had a few sips. I didn't think cola, mm -hmm. but you're right. It's like this kind of maybe this is the origin of Coca Cola. Yeah. Yeah. But the back end, this bitterness is mm -hmm. really neat. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow, this is really food friendly. Yeah, yeah the bitterness and the dryness. Bitterness I think with really... dry without yeah. sweetness. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm ready for pizza. Yeah. Totally. We're burgers. <laughs> That was a lot of fun for me. It really was. Well, uh, why you don't you don't have other people taste? I mean, he's he's not a Namara guy. He's not a spirits guy. No, and and yeah, of course, people people constantly. There's 20 botanicals that go into Saint Augustine's Amaro, yeah. and we reveal a lot of them, but we don't reveal everything. It's always a, a lot of fun for me to kind of hear and watch somebody explore the roller coaster ride that the Amaro, in and of itself, in its own form, sure. has. But then to see you picking those botanicals apart as they're influencing this 
this beer collaboration even more fun for me. So you nailed a lot of it. Mm. I mean, there's certainly the the there's no cola mm-hmm. nut in here, but is that so, the that's the secret of cola? Well, it's cola, a cola nut, nut is gives a cola characteristic okay. for sure, and a lot of Amari contain cola nut. Um, what? And I, as I say this, I always call it the snapping botanical in St. Agresta Amaro. <laughs> and it's because it's one that's always on the tip of folks' tongue as they're tasting the Amaro, especially for the first time. It's nostalgic for almost every American, but we don't know it by name immediately or what the association is. And it's sarsaparilla root. Ah, there you go. So yep. that's uh, that, like I'm calling it cola or beer. You know, it's that, it's, yeah, there. The root beer note. Yeah, you know? totally. And, uh, there's something I think. So that's not just American; that's Italian too. No, not, not necessarily. Okay. Sarsaparilla root is kind of for, that's one of the botanicals in San Agresta Samaro that makes the flavor profile quintessentially American. There's a lot of botanicals that go into San Agresta Samaro that wouldn't necessarily exist in an Italian amaro, um, and we weren't trying to create an Italian amaro with San Agresta Samaro. That wasn't the intention, but. It, Specifically, sarsaparilla root, I think, is one of the botanicals that shines in our Amaro and certainly comes through in the beer. And it's nostalgic to the point where we've all, our memories as children yeah. with, as far as root beer is concerned, they're good memories. Oh, yeah. You don't have like a, oh, yeah, that day I had that root beer uh, with grandma or grandpa. What a bad day that was. You know, it's usually <laughs> a positive floats, experience. It's stopping at the drive-in. It's, you know, yeah. And it's not bat you over the head present in the right. Amaro or in the beer, but the nuance of it, I think, is enough to send your brain to this place and transport Roll out the barrel of root beer. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> exactly. And we're, we're talking about the bitter finish there, and I think for, like, um. It's a different type of bitter that comes from this root called gentian root, gentianelle. And that's that's going to be an Italian. We get ours from Italy. It doesn't just come from Italy. But it's a root of a flower, a highland flower. And it is a different type of bitterness than an IPA bitterness. Um, it hits you more on the sides of the tongue as opposed to on the top of the tongue. Um, and I think that that's something super unique about this. It's not extremely bitter. I have no sense of the IBU scales. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know anything. And but it wouldn't sit very high on that no. scale. Um, but it's distinct, and it and it and it's so um, uh, like I don't know. It, it 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 jumps out at me as like as as different mm-hmm. than hop bitterness in terms of its expression. Even though this beer has some roast bitterness from the dark malt it has some hop bitterness from the noble hops and then obviously it has this other layer which i think definitely pops on a finish there absolutely and then the final and what we started with was fennel right Mm -hmm. so there's no there's no fennel that goes into saint agresta tomorrow but we actually grind anise seed Mm -hmm. so very um very similar in flavor profile anise um anise seed and it it is certainly present in San Agresta tomorrow, but in a very, um, there's a, a moment when this beer touches your palate where it flirts with that anise characteristic. It doesn't, again, knock you over the head, and then it kind of moves on to some of the other profile. That's kind of where that sweet mid, mid-palate comes mm-hmm. in. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, so much of the Amaro is, is in there. Uh, of the 20 botanicals, a lot of the northern alpine type of uh, of spices gives you a warming kind of characteristic. I think, I mean, it's 
it's late February in New York. We haven't had a snow day yet. But man, if we have a snow day, this is the Amaro to drink. Yeah. Um, March tends to be our coldest month in New York the last few years. Yeah. So if we have a if we have a, a good, you know, foot, foot and a half of snow, uh, catch me in catch me in Carroll Gardens uh, in the backyard with a with a little fire going and, yeah. and a bottle of this. Uh, I'll be a happy camper. Yeah. Louis, where can I get your stuff? I mean, I know you're on the menu here at at Roberta's. Is there a tasting room? In, in Brooklyn? So there's no tasting room in Brooklyn. We've, uh, we had a tasting room prior to the pandemic. It wasn't really our bread and butter. Uh, Zach saw it recently. It's, uh, it's full it's, of, it's full of product, man. You guys are bursting at the seams there. You gotta, you know, <laughs> use your, use your real estate. Yeah. yeah. So when we closed it on March 9, 2020, we, um, we had every intention of opening it, but by the time we were ready to open it, as far as the world and the status of the world was concerned, we didn't have space for it anymore. So uh, there is no tasting room. However, St. Agrestus Amaro is distributed uh, throughout um, 35 states with wholesale dist- wholesales, wholesalers in those states. Um, our non-alcoholic stuff is available online directly from, from us um, in the 48 contiguous U.S. United States as well as Canada and we export to a few markets. We export to Canada. We export to Japan. We export to some some European countries. So you can find you can find Saint Agrestis out in the world at your local shop if you're in the U.S. in many cities. Um, and also, we live in 2023, and there's ways to get things on the internet these days. Right. Well, yeah, thank God for the as internet. As our Italian friends <laughs> say, Mazel Tov. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that, right? What, what I love like about doing this show is that this was a little project. And I didn't even know what you guys were doing, and it's it's really turned me on. And I think this is what I love about the beer world in New York City. There's always something changing, evolving, and uh, it's great to see you guys at, at the forefront. To dive deep, okay, Amaro's and Sweet Vermouth. Okay, little history. Um, there's secret recipes yes. and secret herbs. I don't want to say just like Coca-Cola, but, you know, at some point they probably all diverged, right? Like 19th century... People made herbal potions, and you're talking about steeping, like tea making. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of the origins of Mari and Vermouth were pharmacists um, <laughs> in northern Italy and the border of Italy, France, Switzerland, up that up up there in northern Italy. Um, that's where a lot of these origins for for some of the original recipes they were actually created. These ancient legacy Amari companies, many of them were created as as pharmaceuticals in the beginning for stomach ailments. Um, and Amari traditionally was consumed in Italy after a meal because it helps, it helps you with digestion. Um, we, uh, in a strange way in the U S it's hard to combine drinking and health. We, we, we're not, we're yeah. not good at no. understanding. <laughs> Puritanical how those two things history. Can I can yeah. say it's good for you, but you guys can't put it on your label. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. We actually, um, we couldn't even put the word digestivo on our label or digestif because we didn't have any scientific evidence that our product specifically helped with digestion. Wow. Um, you know, that's, that's America. That's how labels are approved. Yeah. It, it depends on the person. That person said, nope. So in the back of our label, it says, this is Brooklyn's tribute to Amari. We wanted it to say this is Brooklyn's tribute to Digestivi uh, or Digestifs. Um, and we had to stick with Amari. It's all fine. Pretty much the same meaning, but, um, you know, a little nuance here, a little nuance there. Yeah, it's ed- education and uh, this is cool. 
Zach, are, are, do you carry anything like Amaro at, at your tasting room? Uh, we don't. We've, we've talked about trying to up our, our liquor game, and we, we, we want to bring, we definitely want to bring this in. Um, and I, I honestly, they're, you know, Louis uh, Phony, Phony Negroni, which is, first of all, a brilliant marketing name. Um, nice. having worked in advertising, it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad you guys thought of it before somebody else did. Um, but it's also really, really good. Phony um, Negroni. What is Phony it? Negroni. Yeah. You know, it's a not, they're non-alcoholic no, Negroni. Non-alcoholic Negroni. Yeah. It's on the menu here. You guys saw it earlier. Is it's, it already uh, pre-mixed? Yeah, it's ready to go. So it's put uh, it on ice or not. I, I, I would say serve it just like you'd serve a Negroni, put it over a big cube, give it an orange twist and it's ready to go. It's, uh, it's been, it's been a fun one for us. If, if, if you're interested in abstaining one day a week, one month so you, out of you the just year conquered forever. the mocktail market you know i don't know if we're conquering it <laughs> but we're having a lot of fun in it it's yeah. uh it opens up a lot of doors because of the i'm a phone negroni with it with a splash of gin it's happened before i would be lying if i said i didn't do it uh <laughs> yeah we've we've seen all sorts of variations on it too it's 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 a great negroni alternative on its own but shake it up uh someone was doing that yesterday which you know I wouldn't have thought to shake it. You don't shake a Negroni, you stir <laughs> one. But someone shook it up yesterday and kind of aerated it with a little orange juice. It's awesome. Yeah. Super good. I mean, there's the the phony Negroni is fun, but yeah. Um, I think I think as folks are looking for more and more non-alcoholic options in addition to their alcohol options, there's plenty of good non-alcoholic beer. We were talking about some earlier. Yeah. Um, it's fun to have an option for Negroni lovers in the non-alcoholic space too. And I love Negronis. I mean, I lived in Italy for about, uh, I, I did a study abroad program in college and I, went, I moved back there, worked as translator, um, uh, Italian English translator. Um, and Negroni was my go-to. Um, love that beverage. Um, I'm a big fan of Amaro's, um, you know, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping to, to, to up our, up our game in our tasting room, uh, especially this summer. We're, we're, we're looking for, uh, I think we're going to be doing an open, the open streets program is, is, is hopefully going to be approved for our block on Troutman street in Bushwick. So we'll have like the whole thoroughfare closed to, to traffic, to, to, to car traffic. Um, looking for some additional foot traffic and some cool menu options. And I think this is going to be on our, on our list for sure. It's great. So, uh, is this the similar, this Amaro is a similar flavor to the beer we just had. Yeah. Do you want to try we it? Let's have a quick yeah. taste. And I just want to ask you a little more about distilling. So coming into the show today, I mentioned that, you know, I, I know Southern Teague and Amori Amargo and, you know, I've, I've had some good Amaros and usually I go to a lot of places I don't. Um, but I, I like good Amaros, really dry, dryness is important. But I didn't quite know how you made them. And I was thinking about like, you know, an old Italian recipe I had from 25 years ago in my old restaurant. I'd put like, you know, buy a vodka, throw some fresh grapes from a farm in and sugar and, and let it sit. And then I don't know what happened, but then we'd strain it out and keep it in the fridge mm-hmm. and serve it again, always in small doses as a, as like a little digestive, mm-hmm. which you can say in restaurants. Yeah, yeah you can. You can say but, it out loud. So what's the process? Because I said you said you worked at Green, you work at a distillery. Mm-hmm. So this is like your license, and you're working. You're part of a distillery, so you've got this license. You're not just making twenty two percent, you know, wine product. No, yeah. So, so Saint Agrestus is produced at a distillery. So uh, you can't just make this in a store and say you're a winery and you're starting. You're starting with you super high proof. It. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't sell it. So we 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 start with with neutral spirit. Um, neutral spirit is grain. Uh, in our case, distilled to 190 proof. Uh, I'm seeing some nods of approval. Thank you. If they're so enjoying good. the Amaro. This is really good. Uh, Citrus pops out. Don't worry, Zach's going to give you a t- oh, yeah. 
analysis. I'll pick. I'll tell you your other ingredients. I love it. I love it. There is citrus. We miss that in the beer. It doesn't shine in the beer, no, it but it does, it's certainly uh, prevalent in the amaro. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, starting with a, a neutral spirit gives you kind of a blank canvas to be able to really let the botanical flavors shine. And we, so you guys, there at Green Oak, is it Green Oak Gin Smith, mm-hmm. yep. you guys are distilling a neutral spirit. No, no. Oh, so you bring it in. We bring the neutral spirit yep. in. Yeah, and that's that's how almost every amaro in the world is made. Um, you know, in New York, no one really has the capabilities in New York City to actually create neutral spirit. It cr- requires um, really tall stills. It's, you know, we, we don't do any fermentation at St. Agrestis. Uh, no fermentation happens at the, at the distillery in Greenpoint. Uh, and so what we do is we bring in neutral spirit. And I, a lot of folks will say, oh, you know, Louis, the head distiller from St. Agrestis, or Louis, the distiller from St. Agrestis. I call myself producer and blender. A lot of what I do is blending. You're, yeah, you're not master true. distiller. Taster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you yeah. could say Which, it. I don't know too many masters. master distillers. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, it's like there's, brewmasters. Yeah. That's yeah. not a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Master yeah. blenders, maybe. But. Exactly. So we, you know, I. And pit masters, there not go. that many kids. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, you smoke, you're not a pit master. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the, the process is taking neutral spirit and, turning it into something really, really elegant and elevated. The word agrestis, so we, we talked about the name a little bit. It's it's Latin for of the wild or of the earth, but there's a secondary meaning for it. And I think Is that the nun you met in second grade? <laughs> no, Sounds like the, no, the that's the third meaning. Yeah. Ruler uh, punish, punishment by ruler? <laughs> so if I knocked over my That was bad, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> if I knocked over my Amaro right now. We're, we, we can I guess it we're joking because Saint oh, Agrestis yeah. It's not a real saint. Saint Agrestis is not a real saint. This is a hoodwink. Saint Agrestis is a mother nature-like face for for our brand. And Agrestis is Latin for of the wild or of the earth. In one hand, she holds an elixir. She holds an elixir. In the other, an herb in almost scale-like balance because that's our goal in everything that we produce, bitter, sweet, herbal balance. Um, But the second meaning for Agrestis beyond of the wild is you could call somebody wild. Like or uncouth, if you will. So if I knocked over my glass, made a big mess here, you could say, Louis, you're Agrestis. And I kind of love that as a second <laughs> meaning for it because, awesome. I mean, first of all, I am, you know, and I, and <laughs> yeah. I would. But beyond, I thought that was called bull in a china shop. <laughs> yeah, well, Same thing. That's what I get called that often. Well, you could be called Agrestis now. <laughs> there you go. The, uh, the reason I love it so much is because the herbs come in totally unrefined from all over the world. Five continents worth of botanicals end up in our bottle. And... We turn them from this wild uh, plant into this elevated, but also not overly stuffy or complicated drink. And they come in wild and they enter our Brooklyn distillery of all places and they leave tomorrow. It's kind of so like- drink, You come in wild, you drink this and you become civilized. Yeah. Before, so before Zach breaks this down, <laughs> last thing for me is what, why sugar in the process? It's already, you've got a neutral spirit. Mm-hmm. You've got all these herbs and things. Mm-hmm. I liked the dry version. And it's not sweet at all, but what, what role does sugar play in the Amaro? If there was no sugar in here, it would be undrinkably bitter. It is extremely- um, bitter without without a balancing um agent in in this case we use sugar sugar in some italian amari they might use honey in most they use sugar there's also of course some big manufacturers who will use sugar beet um as a sweetener um 
we use organic cane from South America to sweeten our um, our Amaro. And the re it has to be palatable. So does it, does it go in as a syrup or it goes in as a raw Because sugar? We, we, make, we make the syrup. So yeah. we bring the sugar in raw and we turn it. We, part of the dilution after the barrel aging includes the water associated with turning solid sugar into liquid sugar. And then that's part of our and blending what, calculation. What proof, Brooklyn what, water, man. Yeah. A lot what, of Brooklyn what, what water. What proof yeah. is it at at some point? Like okay, after so the neutral spirit, what's the proof? Extractions happen at varying different levels of, of alcohol. Everything gets blended and barrel aged at 80 proof. So when it hits that barrel that ended up uh, being a five week home for this beer as well, that the, the contents of that barrel were all 80 proof or 40% alcohol. Wow. And then it hits the bottle uh, at 60 proof or 30% alcohol. So um, it's it's a, a quarter diluted before it hits the bottle. Um, yeah. Right. So, Zach, let's break this down. I mean, I just it was so funny because immediately I was like, oh, you know, the citrus, the, the you know, the, um, the, you know, whether it's orange or, uh, you know, whatever the, that citrus component stuck out, jumped out at me at first. Um, again, Mostly because over the last like three or four days, I've been sipping on the um, on the black lager, which, as you mentioned, Louis, like the citrus, for whatever reason, seems to have uh, been mostly mostly buried or, or it's 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 way in the background um, versus some of those other characteristics. Whereas in the amaro, um, and one of the things I love about Negroni is is that kind of citrusy, the Campari plus the orange kind of component, um, and I love how that jumps out at me in this. Um, and there's also man, it's like um. I mean, this is so much. It's fun it's me. got some like it's got some heat and and I like I associate that with like cinnamon. Like when we've done cinnamon beers or we've done you know we use barrel aged stouts. You know, cinnamon is a um it's kind of a tricky ingredient. Um, whether you're using whole sticks or ground powder on the beer side, um, in, in a lot of ways because it is um you know you think of it in baking um as um or, or in general in the sort of pastry or dessert world as 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 part of the whole sweet family but you know it's it's hot man it, you yeah. know it has it has heat to it um cassia or you know and, and and that that um um seems to jump out whether it's actual cinnamon or it's just some other spice blend but that that again i think is um distinctly um more more prominent and cinnamon here. with other things can make a really yeah very complicated yeah, absolutely you know it can be it can be a, it can be an ingredient on the beer side where you can you can you can easily overdo it you know and it's, it's something you got to really watch um uh, particularly even if, if you're trying to do let's call it a dessert stout with cinnamon um you know that cinnamon can overtake the entire beer really quickly if you're not careful um, and last I like thing, so the the, the dryness level of this mm -hmm. you as a brewer i think it's pretty it's i think it's perfectly balanced i mean i can't i can't say that i would like it more if it was drier or sweeter i definitely you know i'm i'm pretty similarly in the family of of preferring um uh anything in the amaro family or uh fernet family or whatever that 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 um is not overly sweet um maybe it's my age maybe it's my food palate um uh, but this i think hits a real like perfect spot there um you know I, I don't think it would be, especially if you're trying to make a cocktail too, you know, I think this is probably spot on in terms of the, the level of sweetness. Um, I like drier, less sweet, um, Amaro's and you know, this, this to me, like I'm, I was comparing it to, um, let's see, I think we had Amaro, Amaro Nonino and I think I had a Montenegro at home. And this to me had, had more spice, had less sweetness in the overall balance, which, you know, it was, it was it, my wife and I were both like, this is the winner, you know? 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, any last questions, either of you? Uh, let's, like, you know, I'm uh, You have 10, but ask one. Uh... <laughs> What do you, you do? You have any other new projects you're 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 working on, uh, Louis? Any other like uh, within this field or or whatever? Um, any any new stuff that you you'd like to do more of, or you want to do in the future? You know, we're 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 fortunate enough that we've figured out this um this fun quarterly release that we do. Um, we're t- kind of taking a page out of limited beer releases book, and we're doing something called the Sinners and Saints Society. Awesome! And uh, the Sinners <laughs> sounds and S- like a Casey BC thing. I love it. Man. Love it. Yeah. There's some overlap there yeah, for totally sure. Uh, so the Sinners and Saints Society allows us to kind of, uh, you know, extend our creative wings and do some weird stuff. It's it's filled with uh, some of the most adventurous Amaro. Uh, you know, I don't want to call them nerds, but they are. And, <laughs> yeah, and I say it lovingly. Nerds are cool, man. They are cool. I say it lovingly. So the the they they they're looking for something that you can't really find, or something that's weird, or maybe something that used to be produced in, you know, the late eighteen hundreds and isn't anymore. And we we get to have a lot of fun, cool. and release things that are a little bit more clever and allow us to do some stuff like that. So one interesting part of that is we might have some really weird barrels available at some Ooh, point because yeah. we're barrel aging some of them when we barrel age them and we release them we're not planning on ever re-releasing these right. things they're, <laughs> they're really one and done and uh so there could be some some fun cool uh you know casks that end up being available and of course what, I'll, what's I'll, different sure you know you're varying the herbal mix or the bittering yeah i mean for example we uh over the holidays we launched this wine-based um kind of Digestivo, we called it the three gifts. St. Agrestius has no religious affiliation. The name has no religious history, but the three gifts, of course, being the three gifts that were given to Jesus uh, by the, the the three wise men. The Magi, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Magi, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was uh, gold leaf or gold, um, myrrh, and frankincense. And we actually created... What uh, product with those three? <laughs> I've heard that before. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, that sounds and, super cool, super and, nerdy. <laughs> again, no, no historic for sure, but not necessarily leaning in on the religious undertones of the name, but not sure. necessarily religion in general. Uh, I'd like to be clear about that, yeah. you know. But we uh, we had a lot of fun with it, and the response has been super cool. Cool. I mean, we gave it to some friends. I got a bottle of your name on. Nice. It. Some, I'm gonna try that. Yeah, we have a few it. bottles left of it, cool. but like things like that are examples of some weird. You know, that doesn't have. Um, there's no reason for that product wow. to hit liquor store shelves in America. You know this what I mean? is super cool, though. Zach, you, this is an awesome show. I'm going to go over time. One last one. Yeah. So, like, when we're tasting and judging, you know, in homebrewing in particular, mm. it seemed like for years it was always about finding flaws because mm. that's how people learned. Mm. When your nerds are tasting your products, because it's from a distilled product and everything, what often gets brought up to you? Is there a criticism? Are there suggestions? You know, our biggest criticism that we receive at St. Agrestis would be that we're not necessarily Italian, you know? Um, We're making Italian-inspired spirits in Brooklyn, which has a rich Italian history or Italian-American history. But as far as the criticism, usually there's a... Usually folks want to hate it until they try it. And then they try to hate it. And sometimes they do, obviously. <laughs> this stuff is all subjective, you sure. know? Um, but yeah, and, and and I think for the that's for the person who's in the know. For the person who's not in the know, it's always, oh, this is 
Irby is always the word. <laughs> Irby. Irby. When it's when Irby is used, you're like, this isn't your type of drink yet. Sure. Maybe yeah. it w- maybe it will be. Yeah. Um, maybe this is your first foray into it. But when Irby is used, it's a telltale <laughs> sign that somebody's like, ooh, this is herbal and bitter and not necessarily what I wanted to put about. The, they're going to grow into it. That's they will. They yeah, should. Exactly. They, yeah, it's like I coffee. Did. It's like yeah. coffee's bitter. Yeah. You know, you, you start drinking lots of sugar mm-hmm. and, you know, different types of milk products and flavored syrups. Eventually, you just drink straight black coffee. There so. you go. Brussels sprouts, dark yeah. chocolate, IPAs. We're Seriously. changing. America's changing. We're getting there. Yeah. All right. Down you guys sugar. rocked it out. So, Zach, I cannot think of a better way to kick off Beer Week yeah. in 2023 after all we've been through. And it's great to see you standing. Yeah, and you still got that, that classic... KCBC sweatshirt on, man. Oh, yeah, man. You guys opening are, you bash guys are this Saturday. Opening bash. Get your tickets. Opening bash. Shows up by then, but even then, you're also going to be able to come to Roberta's and yeah. drink, drink this beer on tap. But thank you out. so much, man. Zach Kinney, KCBC. Say your name. Louis Catasone, St. Augustus. <laughs> thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy Carboni and Casey Baroni. Casey B. Casey Baroni. Oh, All hey. right. Thanks so much for joining us, Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our engineer, Armin Spengen. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.